0: Welcome to Building Healthy Relationships, the Four Habits podcast, helping you enjoy better harmony at home, thrive at work, and win at life. Here are your hosts, Dr. Andrea and John Taylor Cummings, recognized authorities on the subjects of improving work relationships and cultures, as well as couple and home relationships.
1: Hello and welcome back, friends. Today, as you'll have seen from the title, we're going to be looking at seven mistakes that most couples make and how to avoid them for greater harmony at home
2: Yep. so we're talking about home relationships, home relationships today. today that's the focus in particular what yep.
1: things are doing what you're doing that isn't working so well
2: and you know it's such an important conversation because in our 30 years of working with relationships we've never never come across anybody who on purpose wanted to destroy their relationships why, why would you exactly so um the thing is, when we share what the seven are, it yeah. will seem kind of obvious. But unless you become conscious that these are things that you're doing, we'll end up doing them unintentionally and damage relationships. in not that right? And,
1: uh, absolutely. And this is having looked at thousands of relationships now. We've seen a common pattern. So we thought it might be interesting to share those top seven with you so that you two can avoid those, stay away from them and enjoy greater harmony at home. So Andrew, why don't you kick us off with, uh, with number with, one? With number one.
2: Well, I'm not sure that
1: all seven are in order of
2: priority, totally but I right. think I think number one is definitely number one. And that is we assume we think our spouse is a mind reader. We, we literally think they're in our heads <laughs> and we expect them to think or behave or react the way that we would. Mm -hmm. and get really, or or know exactly how they should respond and get really upset when they don't. And we might not Mm -hmm. be conscious about it, but I guess what we really think is they actually know what they should do or say, and they're choosing not to just to irritate us. You know, Mm -hmm. we might think that our spouse or our partner lies in bed at night, trying to find a way to annoy us (laughs) the next day because that's what they seem to do. Uh, And the thing is, they're not in our heads. You know, we know they're different. We want Mm. them to be different Mm. uh, on paper or logically. We want them to be different. But we just assume that they will get us and know what to do. And if they love us, they should know what to do and do it. And the busier we are, the, you know, when you become really time poor, you just need things to work like go by clockwork and uh, the problem is it's only to your clock and that's not necessarily a shared understanding of what clockwork looks like. So one of the biggest problems in relationships is that we assume our partners in our head and there are yeah. things that we need to communicate or need to be more um, d- deliberate in talking about that we don't and that causes problems because we get upset when they don't do what we think they should know
1: Yeah, because they love us. Absolutely. So number one, don't think they don't get, out, get it out of your head that they're in your head. They're not. They're yeah. <laughs> different. But then the second thing that we do, a lot of us, is we criticize, we undermine, we disrespect different approaches. One, mm. somebody does something different to us. We think, why did they do that for you? We might mutter you, silly, so-and-so, or whatever. Okay. The things that we think, why do you do that for? This is the right way. I know certainly, in, in our relationship, back in the day, our experiences...
2: All right, talking truth Talking talk
1: truth, <laughs> truth coming up here. Certainly, when Andrew would take a different approach to mine, I, I knew, in my head, I knew my way was the right way. Sorry. <laughs> Arrogance, you would say. It, it, that, was, that was how I, I just saw it. This is the right way to do things. What are you doing that way? This is I used to say. I still say sometimes, she has some funny ways of doing things. And she still, still does. still has some funny ways of doing things. It's just a different approach. But if you go in with the mindset of, mine is right, yours is a funny way of doing things, that's not helpful for the relationship, because you will communicate that to them, and you end up disrespecting their, their their approach, their way of doing things it's
2: the narrative that you end up with in your head about that person, yeah. you know whether it's you know the first mistake where people just you assume they're in the head so they should know what to do, therefore they should do it the way you see it absolutely and then when they don't, you start telling yourself things about who they are and why they're doing what they're doing. And that's the narrative that can lead us down a dangerous path. And for us, it was the criticism that that led to that was a real problem. I think did we share it? I think we shared in a previous podcast about the, the Gottmans and the research that they did to show that criticism is one of those danger signs that ah, can... Slippery slope. Yeah, the habits that can really damage the relationship. Yeah. And we slip into it so easily. And criticism, you know, the other danger sign is contempt and the two are really... Well,
1: criticism can lead you can to contempt you and take you down contempt. that slippery slope to it.
2: And that's when, you know, you can kind of roll yeah. your eyes and oh, there we go again or what an idiot. You might not say it out loud but it's this sense of superiority. You know, oh, that's so stupid, why did they do that? And we need to catch ourselves when we're having those thoughts. Um, I was reading a book. I wanted to find it before this podcast, but couldn't put my hand on it. By um, Edgar Schein, who said that in I that from yeah, a long yeah. time back, wow. <laughs> and he was talking about you know what's missing in leadership now. And he was saying that in couple relationships, in particular, it's not so much the problem isn't um, creating the unity as much as it is being more respectful of the separateness mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. sometimes I y- in that, a couple yeah. of relationships we we don't respect the difference and we don't leave space for people to turn up in that difference so mm-hmm. we don't create enough separateness We just become this 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 imposing blend of you need to do things more like me or i need to do things more yeah. like you and that is Problem number two, you know, see, not, not, see, not respecting differences. The difference and
1: respecting it is just so, so important. I think we shared in, a, in an earlier episode, I remember us doing that, uh, about we gave the example of us, um, our differences with the diamonds. Okay. Where, where I said in a, in a previous episode, I said, I think Andrea is a fantastic diamond miner. She can go into the mines and find great diamonds and bring them back. Pretty rubbish at polishing them. She knows that. I'm not telling stories out of school. She knows that. Not
2: interested. Not interested
1: in polishing. Somebody else
2: can work with
1: a D. Guys, take it and do something with it. Whereas I'm much better, and again, not not blowing my own horn or trumpet too loud here, much better at polishing. I, I can get it to that point where it actually looks great to look at it. But I'm not so good at actually going to the mind and finding the right bit, the biggest of the diamonds. I can find some and they'll be okay, but they may not be the fantastic diamonds.
2: So that was the metaphor that you used to explain the difference between my big vision thinking and your attention to detail thinking. And when we get it together and we figure out what was going on, it creates amazing teamwork. And we know that even if it's frustrating, (laughs) uh, making space for the different approaches, that what we'll create is a lot better uh, when we bring both our strengths rather so, than when we ignore one or the other. So the
1: key is identifying the differences and then looking for the strength in the difference and then respecting that. That's yeah. the kind of journey that you need to go on because once you can respect that that um, difference, then you're no longer dissing it or disrespecting it because now yeah. actually you can see what the value is in it. So you're no longer treating it, oh, ooh, this is second to mine and this is not as good. This is actually something that's pretty good over here, so I'm going to respect that. Yeah. And that is really number key. So the, the key thing to avoid in this space is um not getting to that stage still criticizing it and that's a big big mistake of criticizing those things because it can tend to cripple the other person they then have negative vibes towards you and it can kind of just start to tear the relationship apart. So really really important to to not do that work.
2: And and the key solution to that um uh, is to really invest the time to understand the other Absolutely. person. Absolutely and, and understand the strengths, the difference, the approach, the the mindset mm-hmm rather than judging it, understanding it, and making space for them to have a different perspective Absolutely. and knowing how to work through that. Absolutely. That takes skill because that's not our default approach. We're so much <laughs> at the center <laughs> of I our own world. I <laughs> wish it was. So much at the center of our own world. Um, what about, so So um, they're not in our heads. It's the first one. We need to stop criticizing and respect differences. What would you say the third one is?
1: I think the third one is around us uh, sweeping things under the carpet, mm. not having those conversations, taking um, really important things and actually saying, you know what, this thing is, um, it's important, but, you know, for either I'm too busy or for a peaceful life or whatever it is, I, I won't talk about that. That that one is a mistake because not talking about it just leads to frustrations. You, you will end up building things up on the inside um, and it could erupt and come out somewhere down the road. So... But we need to talk a, a little deeper about this one because usually people
2: don't um th- or hesitate to talk about things or sweep things under the carpet when it feels a little bit too difficult yeah, to absolutely. either broach the topic. Yeah. And typical examples would be uh, different of opinion about how to deal with money or parenting styles or the role in, in-laws in mm-hmm. should play, how involved they should be, or even roles and responsibilities in the home, mm-hmm. quite often they have a lot of emotion attached to it, maybe a lot of assumptions about the right way to be and mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. bring it up and want to change things could challenge those deep-seated uh, emotions around them. Yeah, So it's easier to not go there
1: or or you've tried having those conversations in the past and they just haven't gone so well so the the pain comes back the painful memory of those conversations like you know what I don't want to have that I conversation don't want to do that. again yeah I'm gonna leave it but that doesn't mean it's resolved no way Jose as shall, they say. We,
2: shall we tell the story about us with um ch- uh, chores and when our roles changed because Go on, oh, okay <laughs> we're talking truth today yeah right? yeah absolutely um, so for a while for a long while about 15 years john was the main uh, breadwinner going out working in uh, the city and i ran a business from home while looking after all around, to, uh, around, around around being the main the main caregiver, as well, yeah. as the, the main caregiver. Uh. and then in 2016 2017 when we mm-hmm. started this business full-time uh, we were both working on the business full-time all day. And then I would just slip back into that role of main caregiver or doing the laundry and the cooking and the so on in the evening. So it's like I had two jobs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we tried to have the conversation a couple of times and it didn't go really well. And it was a, a, a mixture of things bubbling on the inside of me because on one hand, I was saying, uh, if I, you know, any good homemaker or a good Christian woman should be able to juggle all these things and not complain about it but on the other hand I was feeling resentful that we were working neck and neck during the day and I was kind of left on my own to deal with all the whole stuff
1: in the evening yeah and- whereas, whereas from my side you had always done those things you we hadn't had a conversation about it you seemed happy to keep doing it so I was quite happy to let you yeah. At least that's what I would say. Yeah. Uh, so we had to. It wasn't like that it was what was happening in the background, of course.
2: Yeah. It, uh, so the resentment was building and yeah. we, we uh, attempted the conversation a couple of times, but finally got to the point to hear each other's heart. Because ultimately, if you want to be able to give mutual support and really be there for Absolutely. each other. Talking about the things that need to be done and how you will divvy, divvy things up differently in a different season of life is really important. And sometimes uh, we just don't have those conversations and the resentment just builds. Mm. I know this is one of the things that um, after COVID or during COVID in lockdown became a real challenge for couples. Yeah. So what we're saying is... Uh, Go there. Anything go there. that Absolutely. is difficult—if it's difficult to have the conversation about it, it's a problem already, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Sweeping it under the carpet is not going to help. Yeah. So make time to have the conversations yeah. and go there. But but to go there, you might require you leveling up, leveling up, getting the skills to be able to go there. Yeah. Um, so that when you do have the conversation, uh, you're, it's able to, you're
2: It's not an attack. It's not an
1: attack. Each other. It's a conversation just to say you know, this is how I'm feeling. This is the impact on me. And in fact, if you can use I language, it's always very helpful. This is how I'm feeling here. I'm not blaming you or anything. I'm yeah. just saying, this is how this leaves me feeling.
2: And how and, can we do it differently? we do it differently it next time? To, yeah. get,
1: to get a different result? So do not sweep them under the carpet. That's a big mistake. Um, it might make you feel better for a minute or a moment or a short while, but the, the tension is just going to build. It's not going to go away by itself. It's not going to Come out from under the carpet all by itself and disappear.
2: I just had a thought: sweeping things under the carpet is literally making a mountain out of a molehill. Because the more you're <laughs> up, you sweep sweeping under Mo- the carpet, you're creating creating a mountain Absolutely.
1: and a distance between you. Yeah, so don't do that one. <laughs> don't don't um, uh, sweep it under the carpet and think it's just they're not going to be a problem. It's a big mistake. Um, you do want to address these things. Find the right time. Um, if, if it's you know if you have to have those conversations, you might have the to right diarize time. it. You might have to diarize it because for busy time professionals,
2: time that's Absolutely. the challenge, isn't it? You don't have time. And if it's hard to talk about, it's easier to just not go there. Yeah. So yeah, diarize it. And of course, it. if
1: somebody has just come off a very tense situation and very stressed and so on, and you now then say, okay, well let's have this. We need to have this conversation about this. Chances are it's not going to go that very well that yeah. conversation. So I, time it right. Look for the right time you probably think there's never the right time. So I'm not saying look for the perfect time, but look for a good time, at least a time where you think you can have a good conversation uh, and then go for it, get the skills, have those conversations really important to do that.
2: And when you say get the skills, you're talking about the skills that we talk about in how, oh, how do you have a courageous conversation? Absolutely.
1: And the, how do you level up? How do you build the, your relational intelligence? How do you be able, how you, how do you have those conversations? Yeah. Um, you've got to be able to do that. You've got to be able to sense when it's right. You've got to be able to know which questions to ask. Um, how to ask those questions, when to ask those questions, it's all part How of to
2: manage the emotions, how to listen well, yeah. how to clarify the goals so that you stay focused on how that. How to
1: recognize when you're coming on too strong or pushing too much, to saying we need to address this one now. Yeah. All that.
2: But, but, that that's a whole section that we talk about in, yeah. in the book and on the course, which yeah. is
1: And I'm sure really we'll, we'll touch on through more of these sessions as well. As
2: Absolutely.
1: We, as, we, as we go through
2: Number so four. Number three. Number four. Uh, and number four is about conflict, which kind of ma- marries with uh, sweeping things under the carpet. And the point is, as busy professionals, um, well, for any of us, when we're under stress or when we're in a hurry, our default behavior isn't the best. We're more harsh than gentle we're more selfish than kind. And so the way that things come out uh, under stressful situations or when it moves into a conflict situation, we won't turn up well unless we are very intentional about learning to turn up better, no matter how strong the pressure is and be the person we'd like to be in the moment. And that takes a, a lot of unlearning of old behaviors and habits because most of us, a lot of people uh, just don't like to have conflict at all, it's easier to avoid it. Yeah. Uh, usually because of conflict done badly. Um, but, when, but, but, when it,
1: but when it does happen, the, the, the mistake to avoid is uh, avoid handling it selfishly. And yeah. It's easy to say, but our default, I mean, psychologists have shown that when conflict arises, there are typically four ways in which most of us tend to handle it. We, yeah. we, we Each of us has one particular way of those four, there's usually one of those four that we tend to do time and time and time again. Yeah. Uh, and those four very quickly are, we either in a conflict situation try to, to win, whatever the argument is or the disagreement or whatever. We go in saying, you know, my way is the right way. You know, you must go along with me kind of <laughs> thing. And if you think about it, if you're going with that approach every time that in a conflict situation you need to win, well, where does that leave the other person? It means they need to lose. Where do you think that leaves them feeling? Not Probably great. Not, not great, not very good. And so. the
2: thing is, depending on the personality that you have, and the very, you know, if you're very logical mm-hmm. and you, you, we like to say you drink your own Kool Aid, you mm-hmm. really believe that your way is the right way yep. and that's the only possible way you can see, that becomes a problem. And, and,
1: and um, I was going to say, sadly, interestingly for us, both of us have that natural <laughs> default. So both of us go into these situations, conflict situations thinking, we want. I want to win, she wants to win. But Who's going to win?
2: Th- here's the other thing that we say, that we really struggle to know the difference between our opinion and facts. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, exactly. That's our opinion. My opinion is
1: facts. My opinion is fact. I don't know about yours. That's how we think. Yeah. That's how we think. So we need to recognize, actually, it is selfish. It's great for you, for you but it's not great for the relationship. What else can you be doing? So, so that, that was one example. The second way, as again, psychologists have shown that people tend to handle, handle conflict, is they go in looking to negotiate, uh, to barter, to, to compromise. And you might think, well, what's wrong with negotiation? Is how most business things are handled? Yeah. There's a great example you have, there's isn't that it, that shows...
2: Story, yeah. So there's this one story of a father with two sons, and there was this small, like a cupcake that they mm. needed to share. And uh, so the, the first son said, you know, Dad, can I cut it? Can I cut the cake? And the dad, very shrewd, very wise uh, response. He said, yep, you can cut the cake, but your brother will get to choose the first piece. And you can just imagine the precision <laughs> to uh, cut that cake in exactly half so that, you know, th- th- so th- he the one cutting up. it didn't yep. lose out so, since it, the other one would
1: choose. And that's what we do. Then that And that is exactly the point there. Ultimately, it is still a selfish approach. You're still trying to, even in negotiations, the whole point is you're trying to give as little as possible, keep as much for yourself as possible to get them result. You're not, you're not saying, take it all, I'm, I'm cool with that. No, what you're saying is, uh, how much more do you need? A little bit more? Okay, I'll give you a little bit more if I can get to keep this. Oh, that's not yeah. good enough. I'll give you a little bit more. So it's still ultimately selfish. Yeah. Uh, the third way a lot of us approach conflict is we go for a peaceful life, and we say, okay, um, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give in. I'll, I'll give in on this one. Life's too short, whatever. I'm just going to give in on this one. And again, you might think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is you give in and you give in and you give in to the point where you just say, you know what, I'm not giving in anymore.
2: Yeah, well, um, we, we met somebody who ended up leaving the marriage because exactly. of that, just yeah. tired so, of always having to give in. Yeah.
1: And it, again, it's akin to the point we made earlier, which is about sweeping things under the carpet. Uh, it's just it, it, at some point it, 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 it explodes or you implode. It just the, 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 the pressure builds. So you don't want to leave that one again. That's another, well, yeah. it's, it's that it, it is it's It is selfish. The point I was going to make, sorry, just to close that no. one there. It is still selfish because it's about doing what's comfortable for me. You know what, in this situation, I'll just do what feels right. I'm just going to give in um, and, and let you have it. But but actually, it, there's a long-term problem coming with that. Sorry.
2: I no, I was going to say it's related to the previous point. If you if you find you're in a relationship where you always have to give in or you feel forced to give in, it's like there's no space for yeah. you to have An opinion or a different perspective or do things your way so nobody likes to live that way
1: and then and then the fourth uh, way again back to the psychologist research the fourth way that people tend to handle conflict and a certain personality type tends to do this one is again going for a peaceful life but it's about withdrawing removing themselves from the situation yeah it's just saying there's too much conflict here I can't handle this one see ya I'm, I'm off now it's not necessarily that they're abandoning the relationship although that can be the message that's communicated Um, but it's more, I just, I can't process in in, when this conflict is happening around me, all this stuff's going on. I just, my brain just can't work. I feel fried. It's overwhelming. overwhelming. I just need to remove myself from this situation for a little while. Uh, then maybe we can have a conversation later, but for now, this is just too much. So again, it it is selfish. It's about me, um, doing what feels right for me for now and taking myself out of there. None of those are helpful. Success actually comes from developing an approach to conflict that is, Rather than being me-centered, being selfish, yeah. it's us-centered. It's about yeah. the relationship. It's about we. It's about how do we, what's the best thing for us in this um, in this relationship? With with this conflict situation that we're facing now, what is an outcome that is best for the relationship? Yeah. And that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but it, 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 it requires, firstly, a mindset that, one, I know that when conflict arises, I'm going to be selfish. Mm-hmm. So I need to manage that. And, okay, so, okay, stop. For me, I know I'm, I'm a winner. I like to win. Okay, stop. I recognize
2: when you're trying to win too much. Okay,
1: I, re- I recognize I'm trying to win here. Actually, stop. What can I do that is the best thing for the relationship? That's a win-win solution. Where you win, I win, the relationship wins. How do I do that?
2: And it really is about unlearning bad habits yeah. because the the did into our brain for self-preservation but doesn't really work for relationships. Absolutely. Uh, if, if if there is any area we really need to be it, it investing the time to learn to do it well it's this whole area of how do we turn up in conflict because it's hardwired in our brains and we need to unlearn the bad habits that damage the relationships and then learn new habits new behaviors which might feel very foreign at first but through practice will become our default so that we can hear each other better and make space to have a better conversation and get a, a better result with both of you on the same side facing the problems rather than both of you facing each other with a problem in the middle which is how we tend to do Absolutely. conflict yeah. so so
1: number four was stop uh, or avoid handling conflict selfishly Con- remember conflict is going to happen so the sooner you learn the skills to handle it effectively and handle it well the better yeah. so you need to learn to do that now there are lots and lots of resources out there on how to handle uh, conflict effectively um, as you might imagine we also have some resources we recommend them to you but the, the point is whatever you do do something do something yeah learn the skills to manage conflict effectively because it's gonna happen you want to be ready for it uh, otherwise those little things are what will do um, han- conflict handle badly will take chunks out of each other's emotional bank account yeah. um, you want to handle it well uh, so that you're not taking those chunks out of the, the emotional bank account and keeping the relationship in positive territory so learn to to um, handle conflict well, avoid that mistake of handling it selfishly. Yeah. So that so was number
2: four. Are we up to number five then. OK, so number five is around not v- valuing or actually undervaluing other people's priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's related to this very, mm-hmm. I'm at the center of the, the universe. I'm at the center of the world, which, so by the way, me. So yeah. Me. <laughs> and we need to explain that, you know, our brains are wired to help us survive and thrive. And to filtering all this emotion uh, information coming at us all the time, it just naturally defaults to what's good. Is it going to help me survive? Is it going to help me yeah. thrive? So that puts us at the center of every conversation. And it takes a lot of um, emotional intelligence, relational intelligence mm-hmm. to be able to say it isn't just about me, especially when you're in a couple relationship where you want to show love, be there, have a genuinely strong relationship, um, relationship of mutual support and trust with somebody else. So to do life with another person, you need to overcome this inbuilt survival, selfishness approach and not being able to hear what's important to somebody you care about is really not loving them well, because when you undermine or you judge or you, you know, make them feel like what's important to them isn't that important because it's not important to you. You're basically shutting them down emotionally. And uh, that can create huge resentment because we all want to be seen, known, Heard, heard, that's loved. the I yeah. going for. We Would all want to be heard. Everybody wants to be heard.
1: Everybody wants to have a voice.
2: And it's not just hearing your words, but hearing your heart. Yeah. And if you can't share the things that are important to you or the things that you're passionate about or feel it's going to be judged or undermined in any way, you're really shutting people down from the soul. That's Uh, a big lockout. An
1: important point there to make, though, is not that just because you're heard, everybody has to agree with you. Yeah. But at least you want to be heard. Everybody wants to voice. Now, equally, if every time they're heard, they're shut down. That's not really helpful. Especially
2: when you're talking about things that are important to them. So that's the difference. Exactly. Where, you know, listening is a whole other skill area
1: on its own. Um, and we'll get somebody in to talk about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I think so. I've got somebody that, in mind. I, I, I think things, so. No. <laughs> yeah, that's a very... I'm yeah,
1: yeah, names until until they're in here, but I think we've got, we've got a, a particular master in listening yeah. uh, who I think will be excellent and do a great job in sharing some some insights.
2: But the the nuance to this, the thing that's really important here is to be able to hear somebody's heart and not judge it but respect the fact that if that's important to them it's something that's a priority for them that's something you need to pay attention to whether or not it's a priority or important to you if it's important to them then it's a matter of the heart and you don't want to shut them down treat it as important and really uh, take the time to understand the why not to not to kind of challenge them on it Mm -hmm, but to really mm -hmm, understand mm -hmm, it so you mm -hmm, can respect it and mm -hmm. support them in it if it's something that's important to them it could be a hobby it could be um a career it could be something that challenge that they want to do with their life climb kilimanjaro you know it doesn't need to be yeah it doesn't doesn't need to be explained it just needs to be heard And uh, he gives you give you. Well, interesting.
1: You take that as, take that as an example. I've mentioned it to other people, clearly okay, not to you. You were very yeah. supportive. Mentioned it to other people. They were like, "Why do you want to do that for?" Sort of Dismissive of it. Well, it's actually something I'd like to do. I wasn't asking permission. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. just sharing with you what something I'd like to do. Who are you to judge it? Yeah. And if we if we keep doing that with the people around us, sort of you know, they they mention something that's important to them, and we kind of dismiss it or judge it or. Mm-mm. What what message is that communicating to them? Certainly, not communicating that you care about them.
2: Yeah, well, if it's in a couple relationship, you know, I yeah. love that song. I'm your greatest cheerleader, and that's yeah. who I want to be. I want to you be your cheerleader.
1: There you go. Ah, there ah, you there go. go. <laughs> me
2: too. There if, you go. If, it, if it's something that's important to you, then yeah, I'll be mm-hmm. your cheerleader and help you yeah. help you to achieve that. I was going to talk about piano. That's why you're learning to. Hold on, what? Well, it. So that well, that's it. so...
1: Well, the the the, the story there is our children both learn to play the, the piano as children. They're big people now, but as children, they learn to play the piano. And I used to watch them and go, I'd like to do that one day. Busy, but I haven't made the time for it, etc. And then was it during COVID, a couple of years ago, yeah. now, was it two yeah. three years ago, yeah. uh, Andrea said to me, so John, when exactly is this one day that you're going to learn the piano? So she clearly heard my interest in my heart that I wanted to play the piano. And uh, she booked some lessons for me, and there you go. I started on that journey. Yeah. Um, I've been mean, doing my lessons. I'm doing the whole classical route for now.
2: Got to grade two, past grade uh, past two, two. month to grade three now. now. Grade three. It's
1: hard work at this stage in life, I tell you. That. <laughs> it's blooming hard work, but we're yeah. getting there. We're moving forward. I'm enjoying it and uh, yeah, see where we go on that journey. And it's I, about hearing the heart and what's important.
2: Yeah, and I just want to say here, you know, it sounds like we have all of this down pattern. we get it right. <laughs> A lot of what <laughs> no, we're sharing no. is because we've gotten it wrong in the past, gotten it so wrong sometimes and had to learn how to do it right yeah. or realize that these were the things that became real sticking points, real stumbling blocks for us that we had to learn how to get over. And it's from that place of having done it wrong that we want to share these uh, these these tips and insights, yeah.
1: yeah. And, and I guess just to make a point there on relational intelligence, it's it's not saying that life will be completely plain sailing and you will never have any challenges or hurdles once your relational intelligence is up there. It's an ongoing learning ex- exercise. Yeah. What it does mean, though, is every time you face a challenge, you will look on it as just that a challenge. How do I get over this challenge? How do I conquer this thing? How do I how do we move on from here and keep the relationship intact through it and over it? So the the challenges will continue to come. Uh, All you'll be doing here is building the muscle, building the skills, building the habits that will help you get over these challenges as and when they arise.
2: Yeah, so we're up to, what, number six now?
1: Number six? So what was number six? Number six was looking at, I don't know, quality time, quality time together. Uh, The mistake that most busy professionals do is they don't prioritize quality time together. Um, The mindset or the thinking is, I'm busy, you're there, you'll be there, let me just get this done, and then we'll spend some time together. Yeah. The reality is that quite often doesn't happen. I'm busy doing this, and then I'm busy doing this, and then something else comes up, and I'm busy doing this. And actually, well, I know I said I'm coming, but I'm coming. Wait, wait for me, wait for me. Mm-hmm. And that, that person will wait, and they'll wait, and they'll wait. But at some point, the message is communicated that, actually, you know what? You're really not that important to me. This is more important. Now, the reality is I don't think most of us think like that, but that's the message that we're communicating—that actually, this thing here, this this message has just this come through. Diary, us before, this diary thing, this thing this to do, this email, email whatever it yeah. is, is so much more important than you. Yeah, it's important. Don't don't get me wrong there. But is it more important than you? No. So the message needs to be communicated. It's it's a t- fine one to balance, but the message needs to be communicated that actually you're you're more important. And at some point, you need to say, okay, actually, if you can prioritize it so that. Yes, I know I've got these things coming through onto my, my in-tray, inbox, whatever it is, but there's time coming that I've allocated for you, and that time is ring-fenced for you, then at least you know that time is coming. Yeah. So yes, I've got these things coming through, when that time comes, I'm going to do it, and if that time comes and I'm not able to do it then, then at least we know there's that slot that's moving and we just need to find another time, and then it's my responsibility to make sure that that lands at some point. So I can't keep you on perma-hold, it can't be yeah. hold forever, but at some point you've got to have your time.
2: Well, they say, don't they, that your diary and your bank account Absolutely will do. If you want to know what you really prioritize, your it will be reflected in your diary and your bank account. And that's why one of the things we've had to learn to do is to schedule yeah. uh, in our diary, plan our schedules based on our values and not on our to-do list, because the to-do list is insatiable. It will always: be It there. will always be there. But the other thing that I can't remember who said it. Some wise person, one of the authors that we read said the way that you respond to an interruption oh yes. shows you the level of your relationship skills yeah. and how how you're valuing the people around you. So, you know, two things to bear in mind there. Uh but the point well, is you wanna to to- share that
1: that that ex- experience that you had of uh, the way that you respond in that conference you were at.
2: Yes, yes. That was an
1: amazing experience. It was an amazing experience. An example well, of that.
2: The, the, so I was at a conference, um, maybe two hundred fifty, three hundred 300 people in the room, speaker at the front in the classic presentation layout, and as the speaker was was sharing his wisdom, we just noticed this little seven year old girl. Mm-hmm. Everybody noticed her because it was not the environment for children. It <laughs> exactly. was, you know, an adult business conference, meeting, yeah. business oh, yeah. meeting. And so all eyes looked at this little seven year old girl <laughs> walking up the side, heading up to where the speaker was, and everybody was watching to see what would happen. What would the speaker do? And you know what? It's, it still moves me without losing a beat in his presentation. He just reached down, scooped her up in his arms yeah. and continued with the presentation simultaneously being a very present dad and a very professional speaker. Yeah. And that's what we mean about the way that we behave. Uh, showing value to the people, making time for people. And we found out afterwards that she was there, she was actually unwell. He knew that, he knew the context and just didn't let it disturb him being a professional. He was he able to easily have
1: said, no, go back, stand there, wait until the end, whatever. Yeah. But he chose that the important relationship was important. I can still do my job and maintain a relationship at the same time.
2: Do you remember the... Um, the video that went viral with this BBC reporter. Oh with yes, they yes, interviewed anyway. Robert. Somebody. Yes, they go. Oh, yeah. bless him, poor thing. But it went viral because yeah. he was being interviewed by the BBC. One child came in, then the other <laughs> child. Um, and he just kept trying to push the personal yeah, but the out of me. the professional. It's all in pear shapes. And then the wife had to come in and uh, take the children and tried to be off camera, was fully on camera and so on. Anyway, we digress. What we're, say- what we're saying is making quality time... Ring-fencing time for the people who are important to you is as important an activity, making that time and space in your diary, as is making time for focus work. It's yeah. not either or. They need to have time there or else. You know, this is how you end up growing apart. This is how you end up with distance in the relationship. 25 years pass. The busyness of life has calmed on because children have flown the nest and you look at each other, you don't know each other anymore because you've lost that time for meaningful conversation absolutely
1: absolutely so those are the numbers the top 6 number 7 uh equally important maybe most important is around meeting emotional needs you want to pick us up on that one
2: yeah uh, we, we kind of assume that the way uh we feel loved the way we feel that sense of security that sense of belonging uh, the way we feel valued and appreciated is the same way that our partner will feel it, and so <clears throat> we speak love and do things in a way that yeah. say things or do things in a way that we would like to hear love, value, appreciation being expressed. Because that's
1: the right way think for love way. value, appreciation to be expressed, right? That's what we think. We think <laughs> it's because this is what means something to me, and it means something. It means to... something to everybody, everybody else.
2: Yeah. It doesn't.
1: Yeah. <sighs> And so the key, you know, so we end up. Oh, it might not. They might be. very similar to you, but equally, they might be quite different.
2: Well, the thing is, in it, it, for the years we've been doing this, it's very rare that a couple um have what we call love languages or appreciation languages. We call them Gary, that, Chapman, to be Gary Chapman, Chapman. Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman's
1: them. work. You've come across him. The five love languages. He also has the five languages of appreciation in in the in workplace. In the workplace. Yeah. It's uh, very similar. Uh, well, the same they're the same languages essentially, slightly different expressions as you might imagine. Sometimes how you how you feel in a home relationship, how you feel special in a home relationship might be different to how you feel hope special in a work relationship. Valued, yeah. But it's the same the same principles.
2: And this this was a big lesson for us, wasn't it? Because we kept missing each yeah. other emotionally, where we were each doing things or saying things or showing affection and appreciation in ways that we thought were important and it just wasn't landing at yeah. all for the other person. Um, do you want to share? Oh,
1: it can examples? do it. Happy to. Well, well, example. I'm going to share just very quickly what what the languages are. So the very, just very quickly, there are um, words words of affirmations, words of praise. There is acts which is doing things for people. There is quality time. We've spoken about that one, which is spending quality time with a the person. There is um, gifts. Gifts. And there is touch, touch. Mm-hmm. The, the fifth one. You can see that one is not my one. That's why, that's why I dropped to the bottom of the list and dropped to the bottom of the list because they're not mine. Um, so the, the, there are different ways in which we all feel special. The, the key thing here is to firstly identify what yours are and then so know what they are and if you can communicate that to your spouse or partner, what makes you feel special, great. That's, that's a great start. But once you've done that, actually you want to forget about that. that that's interesting. What your job is is to identify what your partner's is. Your spouse or your partner, What is? what are their languages of appreciation in, in a home context? In a work context, you can do that as well. What are their languages of appreciation? But in a home context, what is theirs? You need to learn that, and then you need to start speaking that language. You need to get fluent in it. It needs to be mother tongue. If you can make it yeah. mother tongue to you, so much the better. Because what that means then is, every time you speak and you communicate, you are... Pouring out love, you're showing love in a way that means something to them, not to you. Yeah. If they're doing the same thing back to you in your language, happy days. Then you know it's it's all great. But your job is to identify what their languages or languages are if they've got more than one, and then start speaking those. And the 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 avoid the thing to avoid the mistake that most people do is one they have no idea about this idea that languages are different. And the mistake to avoid is speaking your language and speaking it loudly, assuming that the other person is going to feel special um, when you don't. do that.
2: And it leaves you very vulnerable, doesn't if it, you don't. to, to um, somebody else speaking love or showing love in a way that lands powerfully with you. It leaves you vulnerable to be, being pulled in that direction. And, and,
1: and, and, and it leaves you vulnerable unintentionally. So yeah. if you think about it like this, if somebody has a particular need that they need to have filled, an emotional need, And you, their spouse or partner, isn't speaking that language to them, so you're not filling their bucket. So they're they're feeling drained, they're feeling empty, and then all of a sudden, or gently in the background somewhere, somebody else starts pouring some water into that bucket and filling their bucket. They didn't mean to, but they now start all of a sudden find themselves attracted to that person over there who is pouring love into their bucket. So they didn't set out looking for this, but you've left them, you've left their bucket empty and dry. And so, and so they're, they're now hungry or thirsty for something else to fill that bucket or something to fill that bucket. If you could fill it, happy days. But if you're not doing that, you have left them vulnerable. So I guess in a responsibility land, you need to take a bit of responsibility for that. What you need to be doing is filling that bucket rather than allowing somebody else to fill that bucket. Because if you don't, then the attraction, as you can see, will start to build. They start because it's a need that they have. To feel valued, to feel special, to feel appreciated.
2: So, well, and I mean, we all have that. We all have this this deep need to feel seen, known, heard, and loved. Yeah. Um, and it's the danger of getting it wrong as well. So, for example, quality time is a, a huge uh, deal for yeah. John. That's Absolutely. one of his. Is that your primary love language? Yeah, I You're think so. number one. Um, And I was getting it wrong because, let's say, we're going on a journey, driving up Mm -hmm. north, two, three hour, four hour drive. That time in the car together in John's head was wonderful quality time for us to talk talk, and connect. But I didn't appreciate this at the time. And so I would go in the car thinking, okay, I have some Messages to send, some emails to check. You know, this is Perfect time, uh, with, with John driving, I can catch up on, you know, <laughs> admin technology because we're together. And it's not I'm okay? sitting there
1: thinking, wait a minute, I'm not the blooming chauffeur here. What's going on?
2: So what I was going to say is the resentment that yeah. that can build when one, you're not getting love shown to you in the way that's important to you. And two, you're doing the reverse, meaning, you know, I might be on the phone with somebody else talking, giving somebody else that quality time. And uh, so you're not getting it and you're seeing somebody Absolutely. else get it. If ever you notice uh, somebody reacting in a way that is disproportionate, you know, it's like overreacting in how ho- how upset they are, just yeah. check whether or not, yeah. one, you're not speaking love to them in a way that they really needed. And two, you're doing the opposite of it, which is like a double whammy that can cause some real uh, deep, upset that comes out, you know, in, in a kind of a Unexpected way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So there you are. Those those are the seven mistakes
2: So those are the seven to avoid. Shall we just run through so our partners not in our head? So they're yeah. not don't expect them to be mind readers um, Drop the criticism just Absolutely. stop yourself check check the narrative in your head if there's any criticism are contempt. Those are huge danger signs. Look for the strength and the difference because there's
1: a reason why they're doing things differently. Don't sweep things under the carpet. Correct. Number three, avoid doing that. Um, Have those conversations, open conversations. Yeah,
2: don't create Uh, no-go areas in the relationship. Be able to talk about everything and get the skills to be able to talk about
1: everything. Number four, manage conflict. conflict. Yeah. Manage conflict effectively.
2: Huge skill to learn. Yeah. On, on, it's going to happen. On learning learn bad for habits. Learn yeah. bad
1: habits. Don't be selfish in, in uh, conflict resolution.
2: Well, I think a, a better way to say that is know that your tendency is you to go. be selfish and That's learn to how to not be selfish. Yeah.
1: Recognize. That's be self aware. Recognize how what you're doing, how you're coming across. It's not helpful. Yeah. To do something bad. It's
2: going to happen. Um, learn to hear and value other people's priorities. Yep. Don't undervalue uh, things that are important to, to them, especially when they dare
1: to open up their heart. Yep. Otherwise you'll shut them down and, and create real resentment there. Number six, avoid keeping them on perma-hold. Yes. Make that time, make quality time for each other, invest in the relationship, make that time for the connection, very, very important.
2: Yep, and number seven, don't, don't avoid, leave don't leave them empty. Don't, Don't leave them empty. them
1: empty. Don't leave them empty. As busy professionals, uh, we're time poor, and we are under pressure. Yeah. And those two things tend to mean that we end up making a lot of these mistakes, and we do them over and over and over again.
2: And simultaneously, that's the other so, thing. There you go. We might yeah. be doing some of yeah. these some things, one of the things time. at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe
1: simultaneously. So really important that we avoid these mistakes. Be intentional about learning the behaviors that stop us from doing some of these things. Hopefully, we've given you some some practical things to do here you know things like with with the um think focusing on a win-win solution
2: uh, ring fencing space ring-fencing in the diary space. learning how to get better at talking about deep-seated issues that challenge yeah. our culture or our beliefs or our values so that we don't sweep things under the carpet essentially what we're saying in all of this is these are all the reasons why we need yeah. to build our our ability, build our awareness, and build our competence in doing relationships well. And that's what we mean about building your RQ, building your relational intelligence. It's not our default. We have to be on purpose about doing it so that we can have harmony at home, thrive at work. And win at life. And win at life. See you next time.
0: We hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, and you want to hear more, the best thing to do is subscribe, then you'll never miss an episode. There's a new one every Friday. You can stay connected with us on social media at The Four Habits for updates, behind the scenes content, and to participate in discussions related to the show. We always love to hear from you. And of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on your preferred platform to allow us to reach more listeners and help people around the globe radically transform the way they do relationships so they too can enjoy better harmony at home, thrive at work and win at life.